Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. This is a podcast where we talk about all things evangelism. It's good to be with you. We're talking today about soul winning in the light of not getting credit. Oftentimes, people who are very successful in reaching out for Jesus, in proliferating the gospel truth, are people who are really not concerned about getting credit for what they do, getting credit for their work and their efforts. And we believe that striving for credit, for when you're motivated by getting credit and appreciation and applause for the work that you do, that can actually get in the way of your success. I'm joined here today with Pastor Ashley Smith from the Merwillen Bud Church. Thank you, uh, Ashley, for joining me. It's good to have you on the podcast. Yeah, man, you're a friend, you're a colleague, and we've known each other now for 10 years, brother. How time yeah. flies, hey? Yeah, I remember the first time I met you, you came and preached at Lismore Church. And I still remember the sermon you preached. Really? Yeah, yeah, I me do. Too. I, it was the first sermon I preached. That was the first, either the, was one of the first Sabbaths in Australia mm. for me. Oh, wow. What sermon was it? Let's see if we remember the same. I remember you talking about Jesus predicting his death and how yeah. he was talking to his disciples and said, I'm going to be rejected by man. I'm going to suffer the third day. I'm going to rise again. And you made the point, what's so complicated about that? It's pretty straightforward. And you gave the illustration, like if I was to walk out of the church right now and get hit by a bus, and I told you that, would it be difficult to understand? So yeah, I still remember right. that. Totally. And I talked about listening and, and yeah. Yeah, not just listening for what you want to hear, but listening to what someone's actually saying. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome, brother. Yeah. And the sermon was entitled something like, it was something about Adventism and the disappointment and how yeah. we as a church, we've risen out of disappointment. That's like in our nature and our DNA. So yeah, that's good, man. Praise God. Hey, so let's get into the topic today because it's a real interesting one. Who cares about souls? I want credit. I think that, Ash, I'm going to make a bold statement here and you can agree or disagree or comment on this. When someone's consumed with a desire for getting credit, they're basically saying, who cares about soul? souls? Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it speaks, it, it communicates a self-importance and care more for yourself than other people, which is antithetical to the gospel and what the commission's all about. Totally. So if, okay, is it completely wrong though for a church member or a preacher or a gospel worker or whoever to want to be acknowledged and given some appreciation for the work they do? There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with feedback and there's nothing wrong with affirmation. But I think the issue that we're going to be talking about today is I want all the credit. And, and when Paul says, when he writes in Corinthians, some say, I'm of Apollo, some of Peter. And he says, like, some plant, others water, the Lord brings the increase. So all credit should be God. But along the way, God does use instruments, but the instruments that he uses are just instruments. It's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah, it like, is. It's a fine line. Like, it's, that, that's, it's a hard one for me because... Have you ever, as a, as a preacher, you're done preaching a sermon and the Lord blesses, like it's spirit-filled. Everyone realizes after the message, God was in his holy temple. Like the spirit was here. We were being spoken to by God. And then the way that people respond to you after, it's really tough. What do you say? Like, that was a great sermon, pastor. Good job. Thank you so much. That was the best sermon I've heard in years. I've never heard anything like that in my life. That was the best sermon on that Bible verse I've ever heard. And how do you respond? Praise God. It, it's interesting how like there's there's times, man, where I feel fully prepared for a sermon. 
and I put in the, the time, I spent time on my knees and I get up and I preach and you just preaching, just, it's just not coming. You just feel like you're not getting anywhere. And then there's other instances where you just, you haven't put in as much effort as what you would have liked to. And you just get up and you're trusting God and you just preach. And it's weird, man, because sometimes like I preach a sermon, I think I've knocked it out of the park and nobody gives me those affirmations. And there's other times I'm preaching and I'm in the middle of like, this stinks. And people are like, man, I needed to hear that today. And it just shows me, man, that God uses us in spite of ourselves. And God does that for, for all of us. It's, we just need to make ourselves available. Because regardless of who we are or where we're at or irrespective of what we've done, I mean, God can use us. And that's just further evidence that he's the one that gets the credit at the end of the day as well. Dude, that's so good. Yeah, it's so true. And the joy then in serving God is serving God, right? Like the reward, the benefit is that we get to do service for God. And I wonder if maybe we would strive for credit less if we just realized that it's a blessing to serve. Like it's a privilege to serve. And if, if I go do an activity, a recreational activity that I really like, I don't look for a reward afterwards. Doing the activity itself is the reward because I just mm. enjoy it. And mm. I wonder if maybe I would personally seek for less credit in ministry or in my my work for God if I just could have that paradigm shift, like where I just yes. understood that just getting to be a witness, just getting to serve on any level is a privilege mm. and I'm being honored by God in being allowed to do ministry in the first place, whatever my ministry, whether it's preaching or locking the church, right? Or sweeping the floor. Like David reflected this in the Psalms when he said, I'd prefer to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. The yeah. big, when he said the tents of the wicked, he meant you know, the big, rich dwelling places of those who are evil. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. And, and that's the joy of ministry, brother. And, and when I say ministry, I'm not talking about pastoral ministry. I'm talking about ministry. Like we're all to minister. We're all giving gifts to serve. And the reward is in the serving. The joy is in working in partnership with the almighty God. The joy is in being used by God and recognizing even in that, that I couldn't do what I'm now doing if it wasn't for him. And so everything that I do, everything that I have to offer, all the work that I see taking place is because of the blessings that he's given me. Totally. So all glory is his. Yeah. All glory is his. That's it. It's funny hey, how you know Jesus makes this statement in Luke 17 and, and verse 10. He says, when you have done all that it was commanded you to do, then say, we're unprofitable servants, which is, huh? Like, mm-hmm. what do you, we're unprofitable. What? Another way to rephrase that would be useless. Maybe useless is because in our culture, that means it's a bit of an insult. But you could say like ineffective or not that great or nothing special. So when you've done everything that was commanded you to do, that is to say, even if you were perfectly obedient to what God called you to do for him in ministry, then say, I'm personally in myself unprofitable. I was just doing what was my duty to do. Yes, I was just doing what I should do. I was just doing what like we should all do. Like I didn't do anything special. I just did what God said to do, and that's it. I was thinking the only way you can say that seriously is if you, you realize your position in relationship to God. So where you realize how much God has really done for you and how much the gospel really means. And then so it's you're so impressed with God that you can't be impressed with yourself. Yeah. And, 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 you're, and you're so impressed with God, you're just happy to serve. 
you just do whatever he says because you just realize that what he says is for your good, it's for your blessing. And you say, well, I'm going to do it. And then if you do it, even perfectly faithfully, a great job that you'll never be impressed because you're just like, look at God. So I heard a preacher say once, show me a man who's impressed with himself and I'll show you a man who's not impressed with Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's good, man. <laughs> really awesome. Hey. Yeah. So, bro, okay, before before we were recording, we were talking about some Bible examples. And you mentioned John the Baptist. Did you want to maybe elaborate on him? Because I think it's really interesting how unconcerned with credit he, he was. Hey. Yeah, I mean, John the Baptist's ministry wasn't just some obscure ministry at the back of Judea. Like, it was a heavily influential ministry that everybody from the various regions were coming, converging on him and listening to this guy preach, even to the point that when Paul's doing his missionary journey in the book of Acts, there's disciples from John in Ephesus. And so he had a very influential ministry. And at the height of, I guess, his ministry, he's pointing people to Jesus. He's telling his disciples to go follow Jesus. And Jesus, like it's written in the book of John, that he must increase and I must decrease. Like he's willing to step aside and not receive the applause that everyone wants him to receive in order that Jesus might advance in his mission. And, and I think, man, like I think in our lives, like it, it's, it's so easy to live in an air of importance where we think more of ourselves than what we should and to put ourselves on a pedestal that we actually can miss the calling and what God's called us to. And we're more concerned about what others may think of us and what we think of ourselves than what God thinks of us. And and what I love with John the Baptist is he was more concerned about what God thought of him than what others thought of him. And and I think that's a great way to live your life. Because at the end of the day, when you're just concerned about what God thinks, then you're going to be living for God and God's going to be getting the glory. And that's what I just really love about John the Baptist. And Jesus says that he was such a humble man and the greatest of prophets because of his willingness just to to step aside and follow the will of God. I think he's a cool example, man. So good. I just think I'm always evaluating myself in my ministry and not obsessively, I wouldn't say. The Bible says to examine yourself to see whether you be of the faith. And so it's healthy to examine yourself from time to time or else Paul wouldn't have said it, right, in 2 Corinthians 13. But yet there are at the times when I am realizing the love of God and experiencing the gospel on a personal level are the times when I'm not clamoring for credit. And even if you're socially wise enough to know you shouldn't look like you're trying to get credit for serving Jesus, you can be pained in your heart when you don't get credit for the things that you do. Give you an example of this. Like, it's hilarious. I mean, this isn't an example so much as just a funny story that makes the point. But there's there's an offering that we take up in North New South Wales Conference, Big Camp. It's called the Big Camp Offering. And we've been doing this for approximately about seven years, I would say, in our conference, maybe a little bit more. And it's where we showcase various ministries that are happening around the conference, and we give church members the opportunity to support those ministries. Now, the, the idea for that ministry actually began in Central California, because I used to work in the Central California conference where Pastor Jerry Page was the president of the conference at the time, and that's what they did there. So the big camp, they just took the opportunity to share with the constituents of the conference what God was doing and how they could support. And so they would raise $1 million, $2 million at their big camp. Mm -hmm. And it became a huge opportunity for the conference because they could do tons of ministry that they otherwise couldn't, you know, from the big camp Mm -hmm. offering. And the church members loved it. Like they, they just loved to be able to support because they were really excited about these projects. So anyways, I came to Australia and I began to pitch this idea to 
to the conference administration at the time. And yeah, and really they were a bit hesitant. And we passed the idea to several, through several channels. And I, and I just, most people said, that's America. People, it's just the culture, religious gatherings. They just give money. It's just the way that things go. And it might not be a good idea here in Australia. And it was pointed out that in the history of our big camp, the most that had ever been given in offerings was $30,000. And that was to, I guess, a project overseas. Mm-hmm. So anyways, long story short, we just decided to do it. And it was my idea. Like it's Matt Perra's idea. Like I'm the one who brought it to Russell Halliday. 100% sure of it. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but the, the recollection of the team is a bit hazy. And Dave Asherick is of the opinion that it was his idea because yeah. he came to a meeting at the conference office to discuss it. But really, I was the one who told the admin to call David in because David and I had been a part of the California offering. And, and then Kyle Morrison, who was working as a project manager for the conference at the time, he thinks it was his idea. So you've got Kyle and David and Matt all confident that it was our idea to do the big camp offering. None of us. I thought, it was, I thought it was my idea. That's exactly the case. Dude, we'll find out in the judgment, Ashley, but I'm 100% sure <laughs> it was my idea. None of us have ever gotten angry or mad, but I can honestly say there have been times where people have said things like, I don't know, just said things that have made me and my heart think, I'm the one who started big camp offering. You know what I mean? Like, anyway, yeah. so, so my point is that inside of your heart, often there is the desire to want to be given credit for the inspiration that God gave you. Like God through providence placed us in a position where we saw something being done that was great. And then in a different position where that thing could be applied for ministry purposes, God did that. Like, what did we do other than say, hey, I think it'd be a good idea to have a big camp offering. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, I just say that as a funny story. And we joke around about it and have debates all the time about who should get the credit. But I like that. Hey. Yeah. I think as well, like, it's so easy for us to put ourselves in the road and actually become a hindrance to the work of God with those, the, the desire to receive credit. Because then we're like, we're serving from the wrong motivation to start with. If we're not serving from the place of, I love God, like we are saying before, like when Paul calls himself a servant, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, like he's wholly sold out to, to the calling and the mission of God. But when there's like ideas of self-preservation and self-elevation that we bring into the work, we really deny the real definition of discipleship that Jesus gives where you need to deny yourself, you need to pick up your cross and you need to follow after me. It's very, like when you consider, I think we really like, the cross today is this in our culture, in our society, we have, it's, it's quite kosher. But in the first century, like that was to say that you all have a cross that you need to pick up was a really radical thing to say. But Jesus is saying this is the essence of discipleship, that you need to deny yourself and you need to follow me. So in other words, you need to be fully surrendered to, to, to my calling. And I think like when you think of discipleship and you think of John the Baptist and his experience, it's a whole lot easier to be hanging out on the top of Mount Transfiguration with Jesus, seeing Moses, seeing Elijah, than what it is to be languishing in a dungeon, Hera's dungeon. Discipleship is just that, man. Like sometimes you're going to be having these high, great moments following Jesus. and in other instances, you're going to be like, you're like, where are you, God? Why am I in this bind here? But because you've fully denied yourself and you've actually gotten out of the road to allow God to work, he's just going to do what he needs to do to further his kingdom and his work. And I, I think... It comes from that place of motivation and those questions, why am I doing ministry? What has God called me to do? And and I think like when you think of tele-evangelists, like you think of, I don't want to like name any of them, like I'm talking about like in 
in the the Christian world, the prosperity gospel and all this kind of stuff. Or, or just a case example, Ravi Zacharias and his ministry. And I read a book of his once, and he's he talks about the televangelists, and he says, you know, how they become corrupted. A lot of them have corrupted themselves, and he's and he says this. He's like, what they were at the beginning isn't what they are now. And then I think of his life and, and what we've learned about what he was at the beginning. Like he never started thinking that's what he was going to become. But that's what he became. And I think in ministry is when we get out of the road and it's continually denying yourself, continually picking up your cross and not shirking that, but following Jesus all the way, allowing him to move. That really gives him the opportunity to really do exciting things through me and my ministry. And what a blessing that is to be used by God. There is no higher privilege in this world than to be used by the Lord in his work. It's a beautiful thing, man. That's such a good point you make, brother. Wow. Yeah, Ellen White says that John the Baptist resisted what she calls the dizzying heights of success. Yeah. Wow. Success disorients you. If you've ever stood at the top of a very high mountain or a very high ravine or cliff and you stand at the very precipice where it's just a sheer drop down, mm. you literally feel dizzy. So you get scared because you think you're just going to fall off because you're so dizzy. It disorients you because it's almost overwhelming to the senses to be up so high on top of nothing. And, so she says that he refused the bribe of Satan to try to keep what he had, to try to hang on to it as if it belonged to him. He had achieved a stature and had obtained to a status, and that would have flattered his ego. That would have made him feel important. And to let that go, man, that's a big deal, hey, because we all strive for, we want to be loved and we want to be appreciated. And we want to know that our life means something, and that we provide value to the world around us. And so when God blesses our ministry and we become successful, then now we can try to take what never belonged to us. God blessed us. God gave us a ministry. And then we can now want to take ownership of that and think it belongs to us because we can't let it go because that would be letting go of our sense of self-worth. Because we're slowly what happens is our self-worth transitions from what God thinks of us and what God has done for us to what we've accomplished through God. Yes, yes. And we just grab onto it. as And that John yeah. didn't do that. He was able to overcome that whole human situation that I'm sure he's human. Like he was human, like when he's preaching and tens of thousands of people are coming. And he's the most powerful man in the country. When he's at the height of that power, it feels good as a human yes. being. Not like he's a devil. Oh, it feels good. Look how powerful I am. But to know that you are being used to bring truth and repentance in God's name to thousands of people would be very hard than to give that all up. Oh, man. And like in ministry, and I've, ex- I've experienced this myself, like sometimes it's very easy to equate what God's doing with what you're doing. And it's and those thoughts come in, man, and it's you're like, where does that come from? But, for example, you go and you're, you're preaching and you're sharing a message and people are responding or you're doing a Bible study and you're in this Bible study. And it's like the... The fire's just come down from heaven. God just giving you the words to speak and it's just coming and it's like, man, this is awesome. And it's very easy to think, man, look what I'm doing. But it's that continual, it's that continual reminder, I'm only doing what I'm doing and I'm only able to do what I'm doing because God has given me the ability to do it. And therefore he receives the glory. And and I think as well, bro, like when when you look at the great controversy theme even, when you see Lucifer, he was given position he was given privilege he was given responsibility but still it wasn't enough he wanted the position of god he wanted the power that came with that he wanted the applause he wanted to climb the ladder so to speak 
he's very ambitious for and coveting a position that was never his and never could be his. But he never had the heart that would actually go along with that position because he was covetous of that. He wanted the glory. He wanted the credit for his own sake, not to be a blessing, but rather that he might be blessed and have people fall down and worship him. And, and I think, man, in our, in our lives and in ministry, it's very easy to focus too much on us that we actually forget the mission as well that God has given us. Like God's mission should never languish because we're so focused about ourselves and our rights and our desires and our wishes and our thoughts. God's mission in his work always comes first. Yeah, man, like it's, yeah, there's many things that I could say from that space, but I, I, I won't, but yeah. So, so there's a church member in your church who said something to me once and I thought it was you challenged my thinking. Now I'm just throw a monkey wrench into our whole conversation for the last little bit. Actually, before I say that, I want to say that when God asks us to give him credit for what he does, he says to us, this is actually in line with what one of your church members said to me. The, the Bible constantly talks about praising God, which really there's no difference between that than giving credit, right? When you give praise to God, you're giving credit to God. God, I praise you for the sun. Okay, I'm giving you credit for being the person who put the sun in the sky and who provides the energy for it to, to continue to burn. The natural law is the law of God. And so you invented the law of nature. You created the material world. It extends out of yourself, right? So God, I praise you for the sun, for the warmth of the sun on my skin. It really, that's giving God credit. And the Bible says to praise God and it says it constantly. So if, if it's not wrong to give God credit for what he does, surely it's not wrong to give people credit for what they do, to credit them. And that's what Jesus was doing when he said about John the Baptist, like, there's none risen among men who are greater than John the Baptist. Like, he was giving him credit. The credit that we're talking about is like the selfish desire to be acknowledged as the one who did it. It's um, ambitious. Like it's, it's ambitious. We yeah. can even title the podcast, Who Cares About Souls? I'm ambitious because really that's what we're talking about. Like, I think, so this is what your church member said to me, because we were talking about certain ministries that I've participated in or been involved in. And they were saying something like, you need the credit for this, Matt. You're not getting the credit for this. And then I said, who who cares? Like, it's not about getting credit. And then he said, but you need to be careful because with credit comes influence because people can realize that you you were the central figure that was being used by God in the accomplishment of that work. And if yeah. that is overlooked, then God's work is injured. So if God has chosen you to work through for the purpose of a certain ministry, that should be acknowledged and people should honor that and they should give you the credit for the work that God did in you. Not in the sense that the work that was done was through your power or through your wisdom or through your strength, but rather in, in giving you the credit, they're giving God the credit who chose you to do the work. But the credit that they're giving is like the John the Baptist credit, like, that you humbled yourself and sacrificed yourself before God and he worked through you and we want to acknowledge that. And yeah. I think that's the, the complexity of the reality. It's not as simple as you shouldn't want credit, but you shouldn't want credit on a selfish, like egotistical level where you'd be jealous if you'd be jealous of someone else's ministry because they're getting more applause than you or more credit for being a good minister than you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. It's, the credit is directly attached to the ministry. And the furtherance of the ministry and God's work instead of directly just for you and your own pride and your own ego. Maybe, yeah. And maybe a healthy place to be would be if someone like gives you credit, you can say, amen. Thank you so much for acknowledging the work that I've done in this space and the ministry that God has accomplished through me. 
And, uh, but at the same time, you would not be bothered to hear that someone else was doing the same ministry just as good or better than you. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you would praise, you would glorify God that their ministry would actually be better than yours. Yeah. That's right. So maybe a healthy place to be would be like, yeah, you can receive credit, you can embrace it, you can acknowledge it, and you can say, hey, amen, thanks you know, for giving me the credit yeah. that I deserve for the work that I've done. If somebody builds a fence, we give them the credit. That's yeah, not yeah, unspiritual yeah. or carnal to say, thanks for building a good fence around my house. A workman comes to my house. A guy just built us a bridge at our driveway. He did a great job. Hey, thanks so much. You did a fantastic job. You did more than I expected. Thanks so much. I gave him the credit, like, but that's not unspiritual and that's good. But if he, there's another Mm. carpenter in the area who does good work and then he's mad and he's sad and he's depressed because he's not seen as like the, the carpenter, the grand carpenter of the world. And that's, I think where the issue lies. Yeah. And a story that came to mind, like an experience in ministry was when I was the outreach coordinator at Arise up at Kingsley. And you'd send the students out on outreach and then they'd come back and they'd sh- you'd have this opportunity for debriefing and everyone would be sharing stories about experience they had on the doors. And you have some students say, oh, we had our first Bible study today. And they're just fully excited. Then others are just like, they're just looking at the ground because like they haven't done any studies. And, and they've just been like slogging it on the doors, rejection after rejection. And I've been in that same experience when I went to the Bible school. You'd hear these exciting stories. Man, I want to have a part of that. And it's like debriefing with them and just communicating to the team that when one part of the body suffers, all suffer. And when one increases, when one is blessed, all are blessed. We're all in this together as well. Like It's not like we're little individual silos. We're a part of the church of God. And when God blesses your ministry and when God blesses my ministry and when God blesses the, the ministry of the people who are listening here, then the entire church as a whole is blessed because the work of God goes forward. And, and I think that sometimes we think so much of like ministry is silos, but we're an interconnected body. It's the body of Christ where Jesus is the head and he receives the glory and praise through all of it. Oh, yeah, I, I just thought of that that whole outreach kind of story and experience, man, when you were sharing, I think it's... So true. I remember. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So last thing I want to say, man, before we close is angels probably shake their head a lot when they consider us and how narrow sighted we are when it Mm. comes to our work. I have been involved in projects where people will deliberate and debate and argue for hours, like hours about how things should be done and how things should be approached. And and, and all the while, there are people whose last, who, are, who are perishing in ignorance of the everlasting gospel. And it, it's almost, this is about saving people, like showing people God and promoting truth, what is true, what is actually true, which sets people free. Mm-hmm. And um, here we can be caviling over, we should do this like that and this like that. And it's, by and large, you could trace a lot of the conversations that I've been in where people are really, you know, having a hard time coming together on what should be done for mission to the fact that everybody wants it done their way. And so for just for practical application to get close to home, a board planning ministry, pastors are discussing a project and you're you're just not making headway. You're just deadlocked. And Mm -hmm. everyone's so adamant about how it should be done. But strangely in, in the various personal ministries of those individuals, not a lot of souls are being won at all. It's like, sometimes we can care so much how something's done. We ourselves are not even really participating in its accomplishment. It's the Monday morning quarterback syndrome, like where I have such strong opinions about the plays that should have been played on the field, 
but I'm not even on the field. And so it's like this human desire to like, to assert yourself and to say, this is how it should be done and to control things it, rather than to, to just care about what the end goal is. Now, it's fine to, to be in a church board meeting and have a healthy debate of a robust discussion where we throw lots of ideas out and we debate ideas and consider what can be done and what should be done. That's fine. That's healthy. But where it gets deadlocked and mm-hmm. people are just, we're just not doing the work. It's, it'd be like a bunch of firemen standing in front of a house that's and just like arguing about all these petty details rather than just yeah. figuring out how to get these people out of the house like now that are in the burning building. I think angels watch us sometimes and that's what they see. Like we're a bunch of firemen standing around a burning building having these silly egotistical discussions about how this should be done, how that should be done, asserting our way versus your way. We're having these little sword fights and debates about this approach or that approach, or it's about theology or that. And, and we're yeah. so energetic and excited about it. And the whole world is dying. It's just because we're just striving for greatness and we want to be important people. And we want to be known as the one whose idea got implemented because then we'll get the credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting the victory on those little points that really don't, probably don't even make a big difference in the, the, the grand scheme of things. Yeah, That's, totally. If we man. just did it like this, we would win the world. If we just did it like this, we would win everybody. So we got, we're all passionate and stirred up about, we've got to do it like this. We've got to do it like that. And nine out of 10 times, if you ask someone, okay, so how's it going for you? How's, yeah. how's that going for you? Is it working for you? And I got a friend who always says this. He, he says, look, it always comes down to mission. If someone's got some grand ideas, just ask them, how's it working in their church? How's it going for you personally? Mm. How's it going? That's really where the rubber meets the road, hey. But anyways, I just wanted to make that point. Like there's people dying. If there's people dying lost. And I think that should inform our ministry. That should inform our ministry. God loves us. God cares for us. He, we're valuable. We're important. We have status. Our names are written in the books of life. Our names are in the books of life. Celebrate that. We don't need to celebrate that the demons are subject to us or that we did some great thing. No, we celebrate because our names are written in the book of life. And then that's enough. That purifies our motives and keeps us safe from getting dizzy by any success that we get. And then at the same time, we keep in mind that people are dying. Let's go save them. Like this is, you don't find like EMTs who are like, you just care about saving people. Like they save, saving someone's life is a reward. Like knowing that you save someone's life. Like you don't need everyone to say, obviously it's great to acknowledge EMTs. But my point is, I'm sure that when you know that someone's alive because of you, that's a reward. That's like great. Yeah, man. Any closing words for us, brother? Yeah, just on that point, man, like what you're speaking, what you're speaking of is really what the church has been called to do. And and I think that often we can get, like you said, we can get so concerned about the details that the details sometimes become an excuse for not actually doing the work that God's called us to do. And, and I mean, that the heart is so deceitful, bro, that I think that often, man, we can, we can even deceive ourselves by focusing so much on the details because we don't really want to do the work. And that's a justification for not getting out there and actually doing what God's called us to do. So man, like, bro, like I fully believe that it's when we actually step aside and surrender our agenda, surrender our plans, surrender our hearts and say, God, you do what you need to do. It's at those moments that God can actually do something great, but it's only when we're willing to do that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us this week. And I just want to leave everyone with this thought. Jesus, if he was someone who couldn't do good for others, couldn't do service for God, unless he got all the credit, where would we be? We are where we are because of the selfless love of God that's given to us through Jesus. And he Mm -hmm. was the most unappreciated man 
in the history of the world. And, and he just strove to go forward in faith because he just cared about saving people and he just cared about fulfilling the will of God in his life. So may that be our motivation and our drive. And let's take this title, Who Cares About Souls? I want the credit. And, and remember, that's not our attitude. That's not our disposition. We love when other people succeed in ministry. We praise God for all the good that he's doing through other ministries and other people. And we just realize that serving God is a blessing in itself. It's a privilege. God bless you guys. And thank you so much. We'll see you next week.